Okay, here, just, just where you know, as people get back in, um, there's, a, there's a couple of things that I, th- that I think are important to, to understand. I don't always agree with everything that I promote. Okay, you know what I mean? What I'm promoting is how to engage differently so that you get to a better place. It, it, it's like this. Um, I think music is more of an expression than it is an influence in the kids that I have dealt with through the years. Um, it, it's just, and, and so music's not a big deal to me, even though I don't agree with it. I mean, I hear the trash that, that some of y'all may have heard. There's worse that some of our kids come with, but it's interesting how kids who struggle listen to stuff. It's not the music that caused the struggle. It's the music that expresses how they feel. And so um, I've just kind of realized I can't solve everything. If I spent all my time correcting every kid on our property, and we have... I, I say that. We're on 150 acres. We have, uh, somebody asked, we have 15 to 20 buildings. They're beautiful, beautiful log cabins. I mean, just beautiful log cabins. Uh, pick up, there's a brochure out there um, on Heartlight. You can, you can see what Heartlight is, but I'm not here to promote Heartlight. Um, but if I spent all my time correcting every kid when they did something wrong, we would have no time for relationship. And so you, at some point you, you have to say, I can't correct everything because then I'm nagging, I'm a dripping faucet, I'm something that doesn't, doesn't stop. And so it's that. And the other thing is that some, you, you figure out which hills you're gonna die on. And I pretty much said, I'm not gonna die on this music hill. Um, and so I use it as a motivation for other things. Oh, there's an airport here. Wow, okay. That's a helicopter. And, um, um, but it's, it's like the music thing, but so I'll use the music to get what I want. Um, we built this gym, and this gym is unbelievable. It's just a, it's a workout area with every kind of machine in it and weights and everything else. And, and uh, I, my thought was, if we get kids to work out three times a week, um, then we're going to solve a lot of depression, anxiety. They're going to sleep better at night. We're going to help girls with their weight gain when they come to us and start eating three meals. Guys are going to have a good coping mechanism. There's a number of good positive things that can come out of that. And so if I, I really thought if I get that, then I'm going to win the war. So it's okay for me to lose the battle on music because you can't control it anyway. And so... I told the kids, I said, let's do this. You get a little nano shuffle, iPod, little deal. You get to load up any music you want on it. And when you're working out, you get to listen to anything you want. But you've got to be working out. I mean, you've got to be on that treadmill and on that elliptical. So, so I'm giving up on one thing that I don't really agree with. So I'm losing the battle, but I'm winning the war on the other side. Are you following me? You can't correct everything. And so you have to choose, what am I going to correct? Here you correct everything, down here, because it's almost a perfect model. Up here you can't correct everything. There's so many other things, all the influence that you, don't, that you don't have on your child. And so 
I say that just to make sure that, that you understand that I'm not always in agreement with everything that I, that, I, that I would promote. I'm into managing kids. It's called herd management. Um, it is. I've got to manage kids to get them to a better spot and restore the relationships with mom and dad. Because I know that the relationship with mom and dad is far more important than any issue in their life. And so it may mean that you need to look at something differently till your, relation gets, till your relationship gets restored so you can deal with the issues that you need to deal with. Are you following me? And so it's not always that, well, that's what Mark said. That's what we need to do. I go, it's got to be taken within the context of things. Let me say first off that, that, that when we start to look at um, a lot of this, that what's the difference about teens' culture today? And we're going to go till 5 o'clock and take like a five-minute break and then come back and, and finish it up because it just goes so fast. When you start thinking about what's different about the culture, I think it's important to understand that when you understand what's going on, when you understand that it's every kid in this world, you know, 49% of everybody has a smartphone across the country, that you see kids all across the world on their phones continually. It's not just a U.S. problem. It is, it's everywhere. It's, the, it's just a new way of communicating. It changes the way that, that I get, I'm on a plane all the time and I say this, that. I mean, I've, I've, golly, I was on 170 flights this past year. I've got over 6 million miles on American Airlines. They let me fly the plane occasionally. And, and <laughs> I mean, and it's amazing to me when I get on that plane, and those of you who fly a lot know this, that everybody's sitting there with a stupid phone. I'm sorry, everybody's sitting there with a phone or an iPad watching something, playing games, doing something. It's just amazing to me. Or they're checking up on Instagram just to make sure they know everything that's going on, you know, in everybody's life, you know, because they don't have one of their own. And so I, so I think it's just interesting to watch. That's the world our kids are growing up in, where parents are just as involved. And it's blindsided parents just as fast as it's blindsided kids meant something new to them. So anyway, so what's different about the culture? And the first thing here is they're exposed to everything. And it, and it doesn't mean that, that it's okay, but I think kids' perception of sexuality has changed a little bit with 4.3 million porn sites. I didn't know there were that many naked women in the world, but it's, you know, it, it's just amazing to me that, that it, it has changed the way that kids look at the whole sexual thing. Now, contrary to what you might think, the teen pregnancies have, are at an all-time low of 50-some years. The abortion rate continues to, to decline. I mean, it's, you look at, at the, the, the sexual nature that kids are engaged in, as much as we think it's more sex, it's the appearance of sexuality, but the actual pregnancy rates and everything else are going down. And so I think what's happening is, because they see everything, it's, it's kind of, they're losing that sense of curiosity. It's, they're just not as curious as they used to be. And the fact that, Kids don't date that much anymore. Isn't that amazing to you? They just don't do that dating thing. It's group things all the time. There's a guy who wrote a book called uh, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And now he's kind of come back and said that was a stupid idea. Um, he was 21 and I guess never dated anybody. And, uh, and it, he's, you're not here, are you? Okay. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and I'm, I'm going, that's why I want kids to date. 
I want them to learn about love and falling in and out of love and picking a mate. I don't want to wait and go, you, you have to court this person and then eventually, I want them to be out there. I want them to learn about stuff. And you go, wait a minute, that means they can have sex. That's why I need to make sure I have a relationship with them and we're having a lot of discussions. You know, I mean, it's, you, 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 everybody has always been able to have sex. I mean, there's, not, there's nothing new about it. I think what's happening with porn and, and some of the visual stuff that we see, it's eliminating, it's a bigger problem with older men than it is with younger kids. Because you don't hear about that all the time. You know, and so it's, it's amazing to me that they're exposed to everything, that, that uh, they see things that they haven't seen before. It, it's it's kind of it, like this. I've seen, I saw Omar Gaddafi shot in the head. I saw the guy in um, uh, wherever the, the video of him hanging, um, Saddam Hussein. I saw, I saw the, the footage of, of when they got Osama bin Laden. I mean, and it's kind of like, hmm. I mean, even I've gotten to that point. I mean, you've gotten to that point. They're cussing on TV like crazy, and you just kind of go, hmm. Have you noticed that about yourself? Or do you just watch Disney? <laughs> because Disney's even worse, I think. I, I think they are. I think, I think the way they treat people in Disney, every man in, that, in any Disney, does anybody here work for Disney? <laughs> okay, the way they treat men in Disney is that every one of them's a complete buffoon and the sarcasm, the negative sarcasm that goes on between everybody on those shows, it does more damage than any porn would do to any young man, you know, I think. And I mean, it, it's, they're just exposed to so much anymore. You and I grew up with three channels. I only had three channels when the aluminum foil was right on the rabbit ears and you position them the right way. And now I've got 900 and some channels on my TV all sources of more and more information where I can see anything, anytime I want. Anything. I mean, how to commit suicide, how to hang yourself, how to play Space Monkey, how to roll, how to grow marijuana, how to, I can see anything that I want. So can your kids because of these phones. And I think what that does is change their perspective a, a lot of, of things that are going on. That's why you're having a few, little bit of problems with modesty with your young ladies because their definition of modesty is far different than yours because they get to see other stuff. Now you have to make the decision where it, comes, where it becomes very difficult. You have to make the decision, okay, where, where can I be permissive and make adjustments for the culture, but where, where is it stepping over the line that I can't go any further? Have you all done that? Because if you just hold to what you think, you're going to get a kid that's taking clothes off on the way to school or they're going to be hiding it from you in some way. That, that's where the rubber starts to meet the road when we start talking about parenting and trying to get things lined out for them. And, and so those are the harder decisions that I think. But it's because they are so exposed to everything that their perception of life is a little bit different. Our job is to help them understand the relevancy of what we've been talking about and how it applies to their world. So, because if they're looking at scripture as just another piece of information, which I think they are, then I need to go deeper and say, let's talk about the wisdom of why you need to 
present yourself this way. I read Proverbs 31 to a group of girls. I, I, get, I, have a little, I get to ask these kids to come over to our house and sit, and I, on every book that I write, I just throw questions out at them, particular things. I read Proverbs 31, and every one of them was just going, God, that's so stupid. Who would write something as goofy as that? I could be critical of them, or I could go, man, I need to figure out how to help these girls learn something differently. See, it's easier to do the one first than it is the latter. But that's where it hurts us when they've been exposed to everything. You'll see, I mean, I mean I, I'm sure that I watch movies that, that I wouldn't have watched 20 years ago. Do you? I know you do. I cuss more now than I ever have in my life, in my head. Because <laughs> I hear it all the time. I mean, I hear, I hear it all the time. And the more I'm exposed to it, I mean, you tried living with 60 kids that are spinning out of control, and you don't think you hear it all the time. You do, and so I find myself saying the same thing they're doing in my head. I'm just going, I can't believe I'm thinking that. Because I'm exposed to stuff. And once you get exposed, it kind of numbs you. And so the, the challenge is, how do I, how do I keep focused to, to not lose sight of what's real and what's purposeful? The other part here is there's that, that lack of real connection. I, and I said it this morning to them, I think they're being deceived into, into thinking they really do have friends when they really don't have friends. I mean, they don't know what the depth of relationship is, unless it's been, unless it's been these long-standing relationships. But they really feel that friending one another, following somebody, or Snapchatting with a group, is, that's really about friendship. And I go, they're only going to learn about relationships through us because they're not learning it from the world that they're growing up in. They don't have the depth of relationships. They spend most of their time in the shallow end of the relationship pool. And so they're not learning that depth. That's why, the, I mean, you mature through relationships. Just as iron sharpens iron, so shall one man sharpen the other. And so when you don't have that going on, because you can eliminate people right and left from your friend group, then you never get to mature. That's why your kids, if you say they're acting mature, immature, they are. They definitely are. The next thing would be this, is that there's over-responsible parents and it creates irresponsible kids. You're treating them here like you were treating them here. You're doing everything for them. And you've got to switch. Okay, let me give you an example of that. At age 12, let's say 12 is, the, is this line right here. At age 12, you're going to go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night. You're going you're, you're to babysit all these other kids at 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, whenever a guy with a mustache comes in and talks. You're going to go to a discipleship group on Monday morning. You're going to go to a prayer group on Monday night, Tuesday morning prayer breakfast, I mean, and then a, and then a Tuesday night scripture memory deal. And then you're going to go to a missions group on Wednesday night, Thursday night servant leadership training. And then you're going to go to Bible study on Friday night and Saturday. You're going to prepare yourself for the Sabbath. And on Sunday, we're going to start all over again. That's what's going to happen at age 12. At age 18, do whatever you want. What that means is between this point where I have all the control and this point where I want my child to, to make some decisions, I've got to start letting the rope out. So maybe when they're 14, okay, you, don't have, you only have to go to half as many of those things. 
At 16, you get to drive yourself to church and go to one other spiritual event. 16 and a half, you just drive yourself to church. At 17, I want you to go somewhere. So find a church. Find some place that you like. At 18, you don't have to go if you don't want. But will you meet us for lunch because we're eating at your favorite place? See what I'm doing? What's more important here? Church attendance are teaching them how to embrace their faith <clears throat> how to embrace their faith and make decisions. Follow me? Who thinks it's a great idea for a 16-year-old to get a license and drive around Phoenix, L.A., Denver, Dallas? Anybody really think that's a good idea? That's one of the, are you 16? Yeah. You don't get any free books. Um, <laughs> who thinks that's a good idea? It's a horrible idea. It's horrible. But we do it. And what happens? Your kids step up to the plate. And are they going to have a few fender benders? Will they run into things? Well, sure they will. That's why you have insurance. I mean, why else would you have insurance? You're betting the insurance. I bet you my daughter is going to ram into a tree. Well, you don't have trees here. Um, <laughs> ram into a cactus. You know, they're going to run into a big rock. You know, it's, it's a stupid idea, but it works. And we try I never thought that my granddaughter would be capable of driving. Um, but she does a pretty good job. And she's learned well, <clears throat> just like you and I did. So it may not feel good, but you transfer things over to them so they can start making decisions. It's when we do too much. If you're still having to wake your 17-year-old child up to get them out of bed, to get them to school, you are creating an opportunity for disaster for your child. So what you do is you say, hey, at age 13, you're going to start doing your laundry. I'm going to start turning over. We're going we're gonna to let you feed the dog. Well, I won't feed it. Well, then we're just going to let it die. You know what I mean? It's, you start turning things over to them, not with the idea that you don't want to do it, but you are training them now to engage differently to, so they have the opportunity to learn how to make decisions. Our problem is we're doing too much for our kids, all of us, not, not any one of you, all of us. We do everything for them, and, and that's what's hampering them somewhat. What I found is this. Those kids that have lost their parents that have lived with us adjust better to society than those that have parents. Isn't that sad? Because they've learned how to stand up. They've learned how to do it. No one gets respect anymore. You think? Just listen to the news, listen to anything. We pretty much, I mean, it, it, it used to be that respect was something that was given to anybody with gray hair or anybody who was a little bit old. It's not anymore. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the word priest with all due respect to the Catholic Church? Uh, I was in Pennsylvania, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, speaking, and I said, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the word coach? Uh, what do you think of when you hear the word policeman? Ferguson, Missouri. What do you, and you start thinking, no wonder these kids. We here in Texas, 
that evidently people, teachers in Florida and Ohio are having sex all the time with their students. I don't know whether you hear that that's what you hear about us, but I mean, it's regional news. We hear more about your Joe Scarpio doing whatever. I don't even know, is he here? Sorry, I don't even know who he is. But, I, but I'm going, we, it, you hear that regional stuff and I'm going, it's crazy. <clears throat> but I think what happens is kids see one thing happen, they read about it through all the sources, and now they've rejected anybody that, that deserves respect. Go on YouTube and just look at students beating up teachers. Y'all look at YouTube? Y'all get on YouTube? How many uh, videos are on YouTube? Over a billion? Your kids are looking at them. I mean, you can, you can figure out how to make goo or whatever it is that they're... Slime. slime. Oh, God. My granddaughter started selling it at school. It's wonderful. <clears throat> but, I mean, there's a part of it where you can find anything. They're looking. <clears throat> but no one gets respect. And it just means you're not going to get the respect that, um, that you really wanted to have. In one sense, you have to earn it. Now, I don't like that. By golly, I've earned my position. You need to listen to me because I said so. You know what I mean? You hear what I'm saying? It doesn't work anymore. And we get frustrated when it doesn't, but it doesn't because the culture says you don't have to respect anybody that's older. Because there's no authority because we're all friends. Let me tell you this. Your kids don't need more friends. They need parents. And there's a difference between the two. The next thing would be this. There's a loss of gender differences. I would say that's just something that's going to be confusing in their world for quite some time. Um, I think it's a world that's a little bit different for them. And um, we've never had to deal with it as much as, as, we're, as we've had to deal with it, even at Heartlight, with, you know, my son thinks she's a girl and she wants to be called... We had a girl, her name was Lucy, but she wanted to be called Bob. <laughs> Whatever. I'd like to be called Bullwinkle, and I'm a moose. You know what I mean? It's just, it just seems weird to me. But, it, but, I mean, we hear more of that all the time. It's just happening and happening because... Sorry. Anybody watch Bullwinkle and Rocky as a kid? Okay, good. There's some connection there. But there's just a real loss, and I think it causes confusion with kids. And the, the last thing here is that they live with constant uncertainty. And so they're coming in a world that, that's a culture, basically, that's overexposed, a lack of real connections, irresponsibility flourishes, there's lack of respect, gender confusion, and uncertainty prevails. And I think it creates a world that's very difficult, very difficult for our kids. You know, I, I, think, I think we live in, this, in, a, in, a, in a series of things that we've learned, you and I have learned, and, and said, okay, this is how we're supposed to do things, and this is how we're supposed to, to work. When, when Focus on the Family came to me and said, will you speak for us uh, on a tour, I said, no. Uh, and they said, well, why? I said, well, none of you guys have a mustache. Um, None of you guys wear jeans. None of you wear boots. Um, every picture you display is of um, just perfection. Everything's perfect. And I, I'm imperfect. I'm a mess. 
Um, everybody I deal with is a mess. Parents are a mess. Kids are a mess. I mean, it, we're just a messy. It's a messy ministry. And I said, I'm just not your guy. And the guy looked at me, the president looked at me and said, well, that's why we need you because our model isn't working anymore. And I think we get this idea that we've learned some things about, okay, this is how you're supposed to do it. And so we'll just continue to do it. And so we never get to a point where we go, which I think is a healthy spot, where we say, uh, I don't know. What should you do? Uh, I don't know. When you say, I don't know, I think that's a great spot. I said it to your granddaughter this morning. <coughs> what are you going to do? You know, after you graduate. I don't know. I go, that's a great place to be, sweetheart. Because if you knew, you wouldn't look for anything different. It's when you start saying, well, I don't know. I don't know. If you're sitting there looking for answers, I go, embrace the questions more so what comes up and then begin that search. Because you're not going to answer them in just one three-hour deal just by listening to me. You're not going to solve all your problems by reading a book. Um, it's going to be by saying, okay, this isn't working. There's got to be something different. It's kind of like this. I was asked to be on Gary Chapman's um, radio show. Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. Are any of you all related to him? <laughs> and uh, just checking, just checking. And, um, and we were in Chicago. We record at Moody Radio. We have a, our program is number three with Moody. And, and so we've moved up the ranks since the 95 and 3% and 2% deal. And, um, and, and um, so they said, well, if you're here, you can be in studio. Gary lives in North Carolina, and Chris Fabry lives in Tucson, and, um, and you guys, and he's the host of the show, and you guys can do the show from, you could be here in Chicago. Okay, I'll do it. And so I walked into the studio, <clears throat> and it was just going to be an hour-long deal of them interviewing me and talking about stuff, and they hand me a script. <laughs> I said, what? what is this? What's a script? I go, I don't do scripts. And they said, well, well, Gary has it all, it's his program, he has it all lined out. I mean word for word. Okay, then that's what we'll do. Chris Fabry comes on. Hey, this is Chris Fabry of the Gary Chapman Relationship Hour. And um, let me introduce to you Gary Chapman. So Gary comes on. Hi, folks. We have a special guest with us in the studio today. His name is Mark Gregston. And uh, Mark, how are you? Hi, Gary. I am fine. I am from Texas, and I am in Chicago recording for you. Uh, well, Mark, what do you do? I am the executive director of Heartlight Ministries. Hi, so-and-so, so-and-so. I mean, we went on like that, where it was just script out. And I was just going, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. You know, and, and I'm one of those guys that, that um, I mean, the, the five love languages that he talks about. Do you all know what the five love languages are? You know, it's, it's, um, it's time, gifts, uh, touch, words of affirmation, and, and what? Acts of service. Well, and here's the thing with me. Um, I don't need any more gifts. I got so much crap in my house that I need to get rid of it. I don't want anybody mowing my yard for an act of service. Uh, your words of affirmation mean nothing to me. They're in one ear and out the other because for every person that says something positive, there's somebody else gonna say something negative. I don't have time 
uh, to spend much less with my wife and dog to spend with anybody else, and I don't want you to touch me. And so, <laughs> so I've pretty much had that deal. None of these love languages are mine. I mean, I just go, it's just not me. And so, so we're about 10, 12 minutes into the whole thing, and I just said, hey, Gary, Gary, let me ask you a question. And Chris jumps in and says, well, Mark, why don't we, we're talking about, I know, I know, we're talking about that, but let me just ask you a question, just to throw it out there. I mean, this may be something you want to look at. What if there are more than five love languages? And it was like, ugh, ugh, ugh. And Gary came back and said, well, you know, we've kind of limited it down and we know what, I know, but there could be more. There could be more. I said, we used to think there were just nine planets. And Pluto, I mean, it's in one week and it's out the other week. I mean, it's in one week, out the other week. There could be more. Do you know how many planets there are? Do you know how many planets there are now that we've discovered because of Hubble? 2,598. They've never asked me back on that program. <laughs> and, uh, but I did spend time thinking, because I, I, I spend time um, working land. I love to get on a tractor and, and just think and tear down trees and... and uh, do stuff and put up fence, and we got a ton of horses, and so we're always doing stuff like that. And uh, so I spend a lot of time thinking just, well, what are my love languages? And I think my love languages are two love languages that teens have. Because we may, we may really believe, well, this is one of our kids' love languages, and we limit it to that. Well, who said those are the only love languages? I mean, I, th I think his love languages are, are great love languages for women. But I know that men's love languages, one of them is sarcasm. <laughs> Men can be sarcastic with each other, and they get along great. You know what I mean? I mean, they just, it's, just, it's just a good competition is another love language. It's, is that Gary's brother? He's calling Gary's brother right now. He knows Gary's calling him. But I just think there's others, and this is what I came up with. One would be, would, would be this, that my love language is, is that I want to be defended by those people that I've been loyal to. When somebody says and attacks me, the way that you can love me is by standing up for me in the midst of the attack. And just going, you know, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true about Mark. You know, it's, and, and, and I think your kids feel the same way. When they get in trouble or do something wrong, they want somebody that's got their back, that they've been loyal to, that you've been loyal to them. And the second one is this. <laughs> I, I want to be included and invited. Now, I'm not going to come because <laughs> I'm too busy. But I want to be invited. I, I, they sent out a deal. One of our guys worked for us for 13 years, was leaving and they didn't have me on the invite list, so I didn't get invited. And it was odd, because he and I, he's been my man-wife and traveled with me everywhere. And so he, but I didn't get invited, and it hurt me. Kids want to belong. And it, it, they just want to know that they belong. So maybe I am like a kid in a number of those ways. But my point is this. If you go along one way thinking that you have it all, and if you think, okay, there's just five, those five love languages may not be your kids' love languages. Those are five love languages that Gary Chapman came, and Gary's a dear man. He, please hear that. He's a dear man. It's a wonderful book. Um, I'm going to write a book called The Other Two Love Languages. And uh, 
that are more effective. And uh, <laughs> not really. But my, but my point of it is, if you limit it to your own understanding, then you are keeping maybe something else from happening. And scripture would tell you, do not lean what? On your own understanding. So that's why it's important to understand what's going on. Because my understanding of the world, by the way I see it, it's going to a hot place in a basket in no time. But it's really not. Crime is 20% of what it was in 1980. Nobody can tell me that it's worse when I grew up in the 60s. Look at what happened in the 60s. Assassinate a president, kill a senator, um, riots in 107 different places, riots at the Republican Party, Vietnam War that kills 54,000 people. We've lost, with all due respect, 4,000 people in the Iraq, Kuwait, all that, and here's 54,000 young men that are gone. I go, I, I would be hard pressed to say that, it, that these days are worse than those days. You know, so I don't think that. But if I lean on my own understanding of things, then sometimes that, that changes. That's why, they, that's why scripture says that, a, that, that the, uh, a fool is wiser in his own eyes than the discreet answer of seven wise people. Seek counsel. Then the next part of this, I, I just want to tell you, there, there's some things, and I, I could wrap it up this way and make it easy. I have never heard a mother say, I want to have a perfect daughter. I've never heard that. I've never heard a dad say, you know, as for me and my house, it's going to be this way. And I've never heard parents say, you know what? We would love to be judgmental parents. I've never heard parents say that, but I have heard hundreds of kids say, my mom, hundreds of girls say, my mom wants me to be perfect, and I can't do it. I have heard hundreds of young men say, my dad rules with an iron fist, and I can't wait to get away from the house. And I have heard thousands of kids say this. My parents are the most judgmental people I know. Those are three styles of parenting that are no longer effective. It is the demand for perfection. It is the authoritarian approach. It doesn't mean you don't have authority as a parent, but the authoritarian militaristic approach, it doesn't work anymore with teens. No. Down here, anything works. Up here, it doesn't work. And the other thing is, is that the concepts of how we come across to our kids uh, when we're expressing values and biblical principles, many times are being interp interpreted as being judgmental. And so I don't tell people not to do that with their kids, but I, I do this. When I meet with kids, I go, I, you know, I don't want to be judgmental. I, I really don't want to be judgmental because I don't know this person. But this is what I wrestle with because I tell them I wrestle with it. I wrestle with, with this, is, this is how I've been raised and what I was taught, and this is what I see, and people are justified. I'm just, I'm just you know, kind of wrestling with it because what I want to do is give them permission to wrestle as well. 
Because at the, at the core of it, I believe this. I believe that God's still involved in my life. I believe that God's involved in the life of your child. And I believe that the seeds that have been sown into the life of your child will come to fruition one day. So our job isn't to keep seeding and seeding and seeding. It's, it's not, you can overseed a field. Did you know that? And it'll kill out everything? You can overseed it? Sometimes you gotta leave it alone. Sometimes during the adolescent years, I think it's our job to cultivate. I think it's just churn the soil and ask a million questions. I just always ask questions. And so it's, it's saying it's okay to struggle through this trying to find the answer. It's okay to not know the answer. But I, I don't want to be judgmental. And I don't want you to be perfect. Sweetheart, here's my thing. I don't want you to be perfect. I just, I'm just concerned about this, so help me figure this out. Give me permission to say no, and I will give you permission to, to use your judgment on this modesty thing. But you've got to give me five get-out-of-jail-free cards that I go, no, that's that your dress has got to weigh more than three ounces, you know, kind of thing. And uh, those kind of, give me permission. But see how I approach it a little bit? It's engaging differently so that I don't become judgmental to my own child. If a girl's wearing something a little bit too revealing, I've, I've looked, I live with, I live with 35 girls. Look at the brochure. Most of the girls that live with us are beautiful young ladies. And we got a couple of ugly ones, but for the most part, <laughs> no, not really. They're good-looking kids, but those are the ones getting into trouble. You know, and so, so we do have issues in this appearance and performance world of how they dress and stuff, and I'll go, oh, sweetheart, no, 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 those, those dogs are barking pretty loud. You need to put them back in their cage. You know what I mean? Just... And I handle it in such a way that it's, that it's light, it's expressing something because of relationship, they'll listen. What? No, no, you gotta wear a shirt or something, sweetheart. You can't do that. Because I don't want to shame a kid. I don't want to harm a young lady from being a woman. And at the same time, I, I love the fact, man, I don't want to make it sexual. But I go, you, you, you can't do that around our guys. The, the lake water will go up 10 degrees if you do that. Yeah, I mean... So make light of it so they understand things. Not being judgmental. I don't want you to be perfect. And I'm not sitting there going, you go in and take that off and put on something different, you slut. Because the number of times I've heard that have been ridiculous. You look like a whore. I don't want you to look. Don't ever say that to a child. You, there's nothing good that comes out of that. Shame only drives a child, a teen, further into sin. So don't shame them. Have I made that point pretty good? There's just three things that don't work. We're going to take a five-minute break, come back and talk about other stuff that is going to work, and um, it goes fast. I tell you, it goes fast. Okay, five minutes, five minutes.